0: Let's ask the Lord to anoint His Word. And in a sense, sometimes it's not so much that we need to ask, it's more like as if we're trying to get Him to do something. It's actually He's trying to get us to do something. And that something is simply turning your heart to Him. The human condition is a hardened heart that is stubborn in seeing our need and accepting and confessing our need for Him to come into those vulnerable, broken places. Like that dog we referenced earlier. We become used to being abused. We become used to our hardened and broken hearts. And if we could just learn to trust Him right now, Would you do that with me? This is a church body right now. Let's just turn our hearts. He wants to do something deep, but he won't until we agree with him that we need to let him do that. Because he respects our will. So, Jesus, we confess. We confess our need for you. Jesus, you see the things in our heart. You know us. You know what's there. We don't want to just live in a lie and pretend things aren't there or try to cover them up as if you don't see them. You see them. Jesus, we thank you that you don't just want to make us feel bad. You want to heal us. This morning as we look at your word, Jesus, we are asking that you anoint your word to bind up broken hearts and make out of our ruins, rebuilders of ruins, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're looking at this key thematic visionary scripture of Jesus as he began his ministry And he referenced in Luke chapter 4 as he started his ministry, Isaiah 61. If we could pop that up there, Isaiah 61, the first four verses says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. That is the beginning, the foundation of Jesus' ministry is good news. It's the gospel. People say, preach the Gospel and if necessary, use words. And that sounds great. And if you're preachy and you're standing on a street corner and making people feel bad, I would suggest maybe follow that for a season. But for the most part, the good news does require words. Jesus didn't just come doing benevolent good things and starting soup kitchens. Jesus came and preached the Gospel of the Kingdom of God and that is how the kingdom of heaven is transferred from heaven into human hearts in the fallen world. The gospel to the poor. He has sent me to what? To bind up the brokenhearted. So there's this anointing to do something, but then there's a mission. And it's looked at in like three things here. Bind up the brokenhearted which suggests that generally people have broken hearts. <laughs> Bind of the brokenhearted to liberate the, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, which I believe speaks of being in captivity to self-defeating sins and thought patterns and things that this evil world puts on us. And we become, we're like in a prison to liberate people But then it goes on to say to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all that mourn to appoint to them that mourn in Zion. That word appoint means to set in place. This morning when we got stuff out of the storage, we began to set equipment in place. I set this chair, I mean this table in its place because this is where it belongs. It's in place. And in Christ, every person has a place in the purpose of God. The people that are wandering up and down Woodward Avenue right now who are yelling at themselves and yelling at the people around and no one even knows what the heck they're talking about have a place in God. The people living at DRMM or sleeping next to Jeffrey in in a room upstairs on the second floor of Detroit Rescue Missions, Robert, have a place. In fact, why don't we just say over Robert and Jeffrey right now, You guys have a call, a place to be set into place in the purpose of God. And the world may describe you as poor, perhaps. The gospel to the poor. I'm not saying you are. Maybe I'm embarrassing you now. I'm sorry. (laughs) It may look as poor. But. Poverty, according to this scripture, not economic poverty, poverty of spirit. The uh, the knowing that I need help puts me in a position to have all of these things that we just described happen in your life. Heal your broken heart, set at liberty, because the only way that our hearts get healed is by, guess what? Following Jesus. Jesus is trying to lead all of us. Our resistance simply keeps us from actually having our heart healed. Our resistance to Jesus simply keeps us from following him into being liberated from captivity. That's the, actually is e, the, the easy formula of this whole thing. And ultimately our resistance keeps us from being appointed and set into our place. To appoint to them who mourn in Zion. To give them Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. How many of you would like those things in place of the other? Give them beauty for uh, ashes, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. And then verse 4 is our kind of how it, kind of the, where the circle leads. They shall rebuild old waste, they shall raise up the former desolations. Who are the they? It's those in verse 1 being described as poor. My friends, the gospel is a lot more than calling people to be non-churchgoers into becoming churchgoers. The gospel, the real gospel, which calls us to follow Jesus and to lay down our lives and put our trust in the one who cannot love us anymore. That gospel will take you from a poverty into becoming a rebuilder of ruins. That is what he's doing in all of our lives. That's why Border City Church exists. That's why all of us are here, is to join together, partner together in doing that. And it begins, my friends, with the heart. We like it to begin with our action. God, I'm going to go do this for you. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to... And God says, don't start there. I don't even need any of what you think you can give me. I need, I operate in your heart. And man, and this evil world, may have shattered your heart. I am the savior of your heart. I work there. Faith, which is the thing that connects me to you, it operates in your heart. The kingdom of heaven first enters into the earth through people by first entering into their hearts. It begins with the heart and an open heart. And that's what we're going to be looking at here is the process. If we could just go to the next slide real quick. I want to just take us through a visual again. So the gospel goes to the poor. If you can go to the next slide. And that gospel does something. And maybe this is sequential maybe not. I don't feel like God started healing my heart when I first became a Christian. I don't, there wasn't healing. He actually started liberating me immediately from drug addiction, from pornography addiction, from other, other types of things. And then later, I began to experience healing. So is it sequential? Yes, no, I don't know. He, but I can guarantee you this, it's healing the heart, liberating from, from various forms of captivity, comforting those places where we, we aren't comforted, and the And the end goal, if you will, is to be appointed into your place, to know who he is, and as you know who he is, you begin to discover who you are. Not just who I want to be, who he, because he's the manufacturer, right? Who he said you are in him, and then you become, in that, a rebuilder of ruins. And when you become a rebuilder of ruins, guess what happens? It's not rocket science. You start the thing over except now what has happened in you is multiplied. We have four times there, the gospel going to the poor here, gospel going to the poor here. I say, why not multiply it 12 times? Jesus did that. Multiply it 100 times, if you will. Let's think big. But you see the idea, right? What God is doing in you, he is doing in you with a view of reaching a whole bunch of other people. And if you really love people... Love what he's doing in you. Yield. Allow the one who is the lover of your soul in to do what he wants to do. And I'm saying that because I know what it is to resist him. I know what it is to feel like he's trying to deal with this thing in my life and I kind of don't want to accept that or I just hide. And then I finally yield and break and I see amazing things happen. This whole thing is, is trust. So let's look with me to a scripture. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Actually, we can just go to the last one. Today, we're looking at healing the heart. And every time we're looking at something having to do with healing of the heart, it's some kind of thing that's found in the gospel that heals our heart. And, And if I could somehow say it in just a few words, I guess it would be this, that he loved us first. Now, I know that sounds so easy, but we get that wrong so often we think we have got to go pray enough we've got to go to, we've got to do this thing or we've got to obey we have got to read the scripture we got to do we have to and the whole thing of the gospel is that he did it and being smitten by what he did we yield our hearts which leads us to doing things that we should do, but not because we're trying to do them to earn anything, because it becomes the desire of our heart. Does that make sense? So Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Every person in this room probably has a desire to have life the way it's supposed to be. You wanna have your finances be what they're supposed to be. You wanna have the job that you're supposed to have. You wanna have the relationships that you're supposed to have. You wanna be constructive and, and healthy and, and building a community of friendships and relationships or to possibly have a spouse or to have all of these things, all of these issues of life. Guess where are the, those issues that I just described, where they flow from? Your heart. This is one of those, I'm pointing back there, but it's not even up there. But if Proverbs 4.23 was up on the screen, it is one of those fundamental scriptures that you build your life on. The issues of your life flow out of your heart, and because of that, the scripture tells us to guard our heart with all diligence, the things that get into our heart are beliefs. We have inner core beliefs that get into our heart. I keep on referencing this dog, Kylo. It's a great name. Kylo, the seven-year-old dog that they kind of adopted after being in a, in a life of neglect and maybe abuse, I don't know, has stuff in its heart <laughs> Because it's it's the world it has been in has taught her, him that this is what the world is like. And they find Kylo to be difficult. They find Kylo to be insubordinate. They find Kylo to not be able to receive affection easily and all of these things. Why? You've got two different dogs. One can be completely different and one the, the, the like Kylo. What makes it the difference? Experience. Now you and I have brokenness in our hearts because we live in a world that has sin in it. You may remember we looked at that last week, I think it was, that the origin of the fall was sin. And, and sin didn't just like come in and like kind of morally fail and make us bad and we don't really ma- measure up for God anymore. Sin is more profound than that. Sin has released evil into the world. And evil creates effects and circumstances in this world that break our heart. So right now, there, are, there are, there's a, a woman is being raped somewhere. Right now, a child is being abused. Right now, somebody is being wrongfully treated at work, and it's causing them to, to feel... There, there are evil things that are happening in this world. And I want to ask you, there are evil things in your world. Even Mickey grew up with a wonderful father, a wonderful mother, a loving family. He was supported, he was nurtured, he was educated, he had all of those wonderful things. This world still did things to Mickey, and he can even testify to some of them, that broke his heart in various ways. And God wants to come in and heal those things. Guard your heart with all diligence. Guard, ultimately, what you believe. The truth that you accept as your belief core. Now we live in this fallen world, right? Our instinct is to believe what we see. We do we see anybody in here ever seen Jesus, by the way? Not one of us, right? We don't see the kingdom of heaven. But when the eyes of my heart at the age of 17 opened up to see who he was and I received him, his kingdom came and is now inside of me. So though I live in this world that has sin, and that sin wants to break my heart, and it wants to hurt me, and it wants to teach me things that are opposite of the kingdom of heaven, I now have another kingdom that has no sin, that doesn't have any brokenness whatsoever in it. Also in me, an alternative reality that actually is the more real reality to this temporary fallen zone that we have that wants to destroy us. And that that eternal kingdom is now inside of me and I have the ability to see and believe. Jesus said you cannot see the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again, which is to say that if you are born again, you can see the kingdom of heaven and to dwell in fellowship with the king of that kingdom and to begin to receive of that kingdom, which begins to give me another reality that I believe in my heart. So if I believe things in my heart, that are not true because it's the, the heart is the center of my beliefs. I'll just give you some examples of things that we can believe and what impact it has. If you believe that God won't provide, anybody ever had that thought before in the recesses of your heart? That God won't really provide? You will do things led by fear rather than faith. Do you see how that plays out? I believe something and it impacts my life. I can't be a rebuilder of ruins if I'm believing and dominated by lies. If I'm going to become who I am called to be, I've got to start believing. And it's not a matter of I've got to, I've got to believe. No, I've got to have fellowship with Jesus and allow him to show me himself. If I believe, if you believe that you are inferior, you're going to be apologetic rather than owning your place of who you are, not arrogant, but confident. If you believe that you aren't lovable, boy, that's a big one, you won't stand up to abuse. If you believe people are against you, you will identify as a victim and that will keep you out of your destiny. If you believe you're a victim, you'll become self-absorbed. Are you seeing how beliefs... If you believe you can't, you won't. If you believe you are superior, you'll act entitled. If you believe you'll always be poor, you won't take responsibility. Why would I? Nothing's ever gonna go right in my life. Where do you find that in the kingdom of heaven? The lie. Jesus will lead us into, anyways. If you believe life sucks, is it okay for a pastor to say that? You won't expect God's goodness. And part of receiving what God has is expecting it. Because we believe what he says. If you believe God isn't for you, you'll blame God for things the devil does. Is that not what happened at the fall? The lie came. Did God really say? Can God really be trusted? Doesn't he just want to keep you from doing this thing, i.e., God isn't really for me? And they bit into that fruit and believed that lie that he's not really for me. And then after the fall, well, it was that snake that you put in the garden. No, no, it was that wife you gave me. You did it. You see that? And sometimes we believe God isn't really for us. And I am praying by the anointing of the Holy Spirit of the next few minutes that we can insert, not my words, the Spirit of God to undo those lies in our heart. You ready? Three things of the good news. See, the heart heals from believing. Remember that that thing we read? The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach which just simply means to proclaim. Not all of you need to be called to stand in a pulpit and do all that kind of stuff, right? But every single one of us is called to preach. To preach good news. That's belief system. That's news to change what I think is reality to now believe news of a new reality, another reality. Good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted. How is the broken heart? bound up by receiving good news receiving the truth of another dimension that we don't see with our eyes but nevertheless exists called heaven that is now inside of us it's believing the news of the kingdom of heaven it is at hand That's the message of Jesus, that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What the heck does that mean? Because I typically don't say this table is at hand. It simply means it is now within grasp. Because of what Jesus did, I have broken the barrier called sin that has separated you all this time. You can now have, see and have, possess the kingdom of heaven. In believing is simply the way that we have it. And we believe with our heart. With the heart, the Apostle Paul says, man believes. With the heart. And so three things. Last week we looked at being forgiven. And kind of, if I could encapsulate the whole idea, it's this, that the fall began with a lie that God doesn't really love us. Do you remember that? Now, I know the serpent didn't say, hey, Eve, God doesn't love you. He didn't say that at all, but he said that. He didn't say those words. What he said was, did God really say? 'Mm, You will not die if you eat that fruit. In fact, God knows that if you eat the fruit, you're going to become like him, knowing good and evil. You're going to, and he doesn't want you. He wants to keep you suppressed, Eve, He didn't say God doesn't love you, but implicit in what he said was that God has lied to you. And if he lies to you, God can't be trusted. And if he can't be trusted, it's because he ultimately doesn't love you. That's how the fall, this whole mess, started. And if that's how it started, undoing it is simply believing truth. Now do you begin to understand why, to undo that fall, Jesus came to demonstrate, not with words, but action, love. Undying, unthinkable love. That the sinless perfect came to pay the penalty for sin by dying on a cross for all people, even when they weren't asking for the help. That's love. That's what undoes undoes the whole thing. The cross demonstrates the opposite and today I just want to look quickly at our hearts are healed by believing three things. By seeing three things that are fun, fundamental to the gospel. One is that He came to us. Well, I've got to, I guess I guess I've reached the end of my rope. I need to walk the straight and narrow from now on. That is not the gospel, my friends. I've got to do good. I'm going to buckle down and stop doing all this bad. I'm going to go to church more often. and Not the gospel. He, you don't, He came to us. Secondly, coming to us, intimacy with us was His goal. it's what he wants it's the point it's the point it's not like he came because you are wrong and he wanted to make you right so now he can like, put you back on his shelf and you're not broken anymore so he can have something pretty now to look at so, and, and so that you're, you're, you're not bad anymore he came to have you. And then thirdly, that because of what he did, should we receive Jesus by faith, place our lives into the, his care, and, and like I said last week, put our faith in him, which is, looks, like, looks like this, That here's Jesus, here's me, this is secure, this is the world. I step out and I place my trust into Jesus. That's what it means to be born again. You place all of your eggs in the Jesus basket. Should you do that? Should you receive him for who he is? You become a son. Even though after you do this, you still have a sin nature and reason to believe that you're not worthy. You become a son. So, he came to us. The idea is, he loved you first. He loved you first. You're the object of his love. He doesn't love anything or anyone more than he loves you. You're the object of his love and it is utterly impossible to earn his love. So, In Isaiah 7.14, a prophetic scripture that came out 800 years before Jesus would actually even be born. No one knew Jesus. No one knew that God was going to come in the form of a man as the Son of God. None of that. And yet Isaiah, the prophet, sees something and he pens it down. He says this, that therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. And behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Anybody, that remind anybody of anybody? Isaiah, not even knowing about Mary and Joseph, prophesying about, so specifically, about a virgin bearing a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. Now, that may confuse you, because you're like, I thought his name was Jesus. Emmanuel simply means, in Hebrew, God with us. And what the Bible was saying there, what God was saying, is that not that you should call his name Emmanuel. We we know his name is Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. Name there means his fame, his reputation, what he's known for. That his identity is God with us. In other words, Jesus was in heaven in a perfect world, looking at an imperfect world. And instead of judging and and condemning, he left the, the perfect world to come in to our imperfect world so that God could be with us. The core of the gospel is the idea that God is on a hunt for you. That changes the whole idea of when I begin to seek the Lord. To know that I'm not trying to seek a God who's like kind of looking at me out of the corner of his eye wondering, do I really want this guy? It's already been settled. You are wanted. You are loved, even though there's a myriad of reasons that you're not lovable. Perhaps. He wants us. God with us. The gospel is actually about God's pursuit of us. Secondly, within that, within that idea of he came to us, is that God's love is not based on our performance or our worthiness. Now, are we saying that in following Jesus that we just throw care to the wind, do whatever we want, and, uh, and it's all permissible because of this thing called grace? Absolutely not. Anyone who has placed their faith in Jesus, done this thing, when you do that, there's something that, that happens in your heart, a, a confession that says, my life is no longer mine. I'm giving you my life. You have made, something happens. A faith is born. A decision is made. Your heart shifts to where you want to live in the will of God. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Well, we really do need to preach. <laughs> something happens. Something happened in me where after I got born again, stuff that I had never even thought about. I started being aware of even how I was walking down the corridors of my high school and how I was conducting myself and how I needed to be in the popular crowd. I needed to be in the inner circle. I needed to make sure I kept my social standing and I began to see this uneasiness of all of that is built on pride. I'm building my world around me being glorified. When in fact, my, I'm supposed to be loving people. And I begin to become uneasy. Why? Because my heart began to open up to the work of God inside of me and he wanted to start shifting. And if you're truly born again of the spirit, there is a desire in you to do his will and to become uneasy with your life when it is resisting his will. People talk about getting born again and how ever since then the world's just been different in rose-colored glasses, and I'm like, when I got born again, I just started feeling bad about stuff. Good news to the poor. (laughs) Now, I'm not saying there isn't amazing, wonderful riches, but when you're in a place of compromise, it's not fun. When he's doing a deep work, it can be unsettling and uncomfortable, but it leads to beauty from ashes. Your performance cannot earn God's love. He loves you before you yield. In fact, it is receiving that love that becomes the very catalyst to you being able to yield. The ultimate reason that we struggle to yield to what God's doing in our hearts is because we don't really believe and understand his amazing love for us which is the message of the cross. If I could just read this scripture Romans 5:8, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners Christ died for us. If he chose to die the perfect for the imperfect when he gave everything and we were giving him nothing. There's nothing that we were giving How many of you repented and asked God to come save you before Jesus went to the cross? No hands go up, right? Nobody did. Nobody understood that we needed that to happen in order to be made right with God. None of us did before anybody repented, before anybody was even acknowledging their need for Jesus and for his sacrificial substitutionary death on the cross. Before any of us knew any of that, He chose to die for us so that the way would be made open, whether or not we even accept the invitation. He would rather die so that you could have the invitation than have you live under the wrath of sin, God's wrath towards sin. Therefore, you cannot earn God's love. Heals your heart. My mom and my dad, I'm not speaking literally for myself, they, they they, neglected me. They beat me, let's say. They never were happy unless maybe I did something absolutely perfect. And you learn that if I can perform, maybe somebody will love me. It goes through your head over and over because it's the reality that you've lived in. And God says break that up I'm going to love you when you deserve none of it and I want you to know that that that's how I feel towards you he placed his greatest value on us at a time when we could give him nothing and this ultimately dispels the lie that the devil whispered into the ear of Eve to start this whole crazy thing in the first place he doesn't really love you and Jesus came in and said oh yes I do and I'm going to show you. (laughs) We don't love him. Kind of a third sub point of what I'm talking about. We don't love him so that he'll love us. I just need to go get in in my prayer closet and I need to go and I need to worship and I need to get to that place where he can be happy with me again. I need to do this thing. I I need, I need, I need. Me, it's on me. Responsibility is on me. We don't love him so that he'll love us. We ultimately only love him because he first loved us. In fact, listen to this scripture that the Apostle John, who was the disciple that Jesus loved, penned a few decades after Jesus left, 1 John 4.19 says, we love him because he first Loved us. What fueled my fire to be able to leave uh, intoxication and party lifestyle, drugging and drinking? What fueled my fire to, 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 to yield to Jesus and the inner workings that He was doing was not how righteous I am or how good of a Christian I am. Ultimately, it was because of a conviction that I can trust that voice on the inside of me, even though the world around me is going to think I am cray-cray if I stop getting high and stop getting drunk. I'm not going to have one friend in this world that's going to understand the change that I'm making. It's not like I was surrounded by born-again Christians. I didn't even know the term born-again when I got born again. And certainly none of my friends did. What gave me the ability to turn from that is because it boiled down to, un- to believing that that voice inside of me that's leading me to these radical changes, he loves me. What ultimately is going to fuel you being able to go down the path that he has of transforming your life to becoming a rebuild of ruins, it's knowing he loves you and receiving it. Can I ask you to, or I'll just read this as well, John 15, 16. Jesus says this, you did not Choose me. I chose you. Yes, when I received Jesus, I chose him. But I didn't initiate it. I discovered what he did first. In coming, leaving heaven to come into the earth. And while in this earth, going up onto that cross was all choosing us. We don't choose him. He first chose us. We just yield to the invitation. Can I ask you to close your eyes? I know we're not fully done here, but just close your eyes. Because I, I don't want this just to be information. The only thing, the, here's the bottom line point of everything that I just said that this is not about you loving him it's about receiving his love receiving 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 it's okay receive right now it's okay it's not indulgent <laughs> just receive that you you can't get him to love you he already does let that change your idea of a prayer life. Let that change your idea of reading the scriptures. Of fellow, let that change your idea of everything. You're not going to earn or impress him. Just receive love. Now, you can't just receive love and remain the same. To receive the love of Jesus is to acknowledge His love for you that is expressed in His leadership. You'll never know the love of God apart from following the one he sent. Where is the love of God? It's wherever Jesus is. Well, if that's true, then I want to follow him. Jesus comes to us. You're the object, you're the reason that he did. Just receive his love. Lord, I pray right now over every person in this room, including myself. I pray over every thought pattern that exists in the lives and in the hearts and in the thinking. And in Jesus' name, declare your love. Break every lie. Everything our parents taught us to make us feel unlovable. Everything that our family, our neighborhood friends, our school friends life experiences, every broken memory, every broken and shattered relationship, every broken place that has taught us something other than your truth. In Jesus' name, Holy Spirit, release your love. Release your love. In Jesus' name, you can open up your eyes. Just want to say very quickly, intimacy with us was his goal. And that's important because some of us think that his goal was for us to go from being a bad guy to a good guy. So we can populate the earth with more good guys. But I don't actually want to like have a relationship with you. I just want you to act right. And somehow, if you'll believe in my son, Jesus then you'll start acting right so I can actually tolerate you. When in fact, the whole purpose of Jesus coming back into the earth was to bring us back to where he started with us in creation, which was intimacy. And if we looked at it last week, that mankind, unlike any other part of creation, was created to in the image of God. And you remember There were fruits that were, trees that were bearing seed to bear fruit after its kind. And there were cattle and there were various animals that all of which reproduced after their kind. But there was only one that was apparently in the kind of God. And God said, let us make man in our image, which is to say we were his offspring. And if we're offspring, we were born we were created with the idea of being family with him, of a loving father. And we talked about how God looked at this being that he created out of the dust of the ground called Adam, and he blew breath into his his being, and he became a living being. And when Adam would have received that breath and opened up his eyes, the first thing that he would have seen is peering, piercing into, peering into the eyes of God, a picture of intimacy. We were created for intimacy with him, and that was what was lost at the fall. It wasn't us doing right. It was us being with him, fellowshipping with him. I want you to understand that he wants you. He wants me. He wants us. Not our performance, not our church-going goodness. I don't want that. I avoided that kind of church-going dork squad stuff in high school. No interest in people who are just good and don't do bad stuff and act like dorks because they go to church. I'm just being honest with you. But when I had a revelation at 17 of Jesus, that I signed up for. That I'm interested in. And he is interested, he is passionate, he came and gave up everything so that you would have intimacy with him. John 17 says this, the definition of eternal life, because we think in our evangelical world that eternal life means I do make some arrangement with God where I receive him, I believe that Jesus is the son of God, and therefore I can go to heaven rather than go to hell. That's kind of the idea of the gospel as it's portrayed in most of modern-day American Christianity. How does Jesus portray the gospel? Here in John 17, verses 1-3, through he says, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven, and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you, as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life. You ready for it? That they can go to heaven and not to hell when they die. Wait, is that what he said? So that they could have eternal fire insurance to escape the wrath of God. So is that what he said? This is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ. Whom He has sent. Knowing. Knowing. At the fall, we lost our knowing of Him. Who is God? Is it gods? Is it God? Is it the universe? Is it Mother Nature? Is it the many gods? Is it the... We don't know Him anymore because our spirit was cut off and the reconnection of our spirit with his spirit causes us to know him and have intimate fellowship with him. That actually is the point of eternity. Eternal life doesn't begin when you die, eternal life begins the moment you receive Jesus. And the whole definition of it is that he would know you and you would know him. Now, how do we know? Do you know how you know somebody? Vulnerability. Everyone's like, oh, that's how you know. Vulnerability. In the fall, what was the first thing that Adam and Eve did? I'm naked. This is a problem. They can see me. They can see the real me. And the Bible says they got fig leaves and sewed skins for themselves to hide. Hide from God, hide from man. Every person in this room has instincts to hide. Put on our Sunday best, be acceptable. Somehow, maybe they'll accept me, they'll love me if. That's the result of the fall. And the good news brings us back into a place where we can remove those skins and be seen. But if you're going to do that, you're going to see yourself, you're going to have to receive that who you really are needs his help. Gospel to the poor. Poor being those who know I need your help. And this world tries to build a big, thick, fig skin, whatever that is, to make us feel like I don't need his help. I refuse to accept I don't need, I am okay. I'm just going to keep my sin and my sin management process that I have going so that I know I've, maybe there's something back there, but God, you don't need to know about it. And no one else does. And Remove the fig skins. God, I actually, without you, I am unworthy. Jesus, forgive me receive him in the, in the removal of the skin. It's almost like he removed, he, he bore it all. <laughs> That's a weird way of saying it, but... So that we could see his love and trust him and remove the skin and allow him to see him, see us as we are so that we could see him for who he really is. And it's in that process... He became totally vulnerable to us so that we could respond knowing that we're in a safe place and become vulnerable with him. You following that? That's intimacy with God. Not getting all, going into your prayer closet and making sure that you sing all the words right and, and that I read the scripture and in my Bible study program I'm going to read two chapters every day. And I've got my two chapters and I sang a song and I worshipped and Okay, I tick that box. Was there any vulnerability? Did you connect at a heart level? That is why he went to the cross to create that space, that safe place. But I don't. I, he's not going to like what he sees. He already knows what's there. He already paid the price to to, to cover all that junk. And he wants to come in, and he can only come in and start fixing that junk if you'll just be real. That's where you know him. And we'll conclude with this. So in, ref- in, 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 in just kind of reiterating, gospel to the poor, healing the brokenhearted. Our broken heart gets healed when we believe, believing core things, and that we believe good news. And the good news is the message of Jesus, what he did for us. And what he did for us shows us that he came to us. We don't earn our way back to him. He pursued us first. Secondly, it's that he came for intimacy. You need to know that. Because a lot of us don't have confidence as we approach him because we feel like we're second rate and we're this and that and we can't really come. And he came to pursue you Intimacy with you. And then thirdly, is that as you receive him, Jesus, as you respond in faith, place your faith in, in the Son of God, you become to God as He is: a Son. So let's just read this. John 20, verse 17. Jesus said, This is right as Jesus is 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 about to ascend. This is at the very end, John 20. Like, we're one chapter away from being done with the the, the life of Christ. Jesus said to her, do not touch me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brothers, i.e. the disciples, and say to them, I ascend to my Father and your Father. (laughs) You're not getting it yet. What he's saying is what I have just accomplished has made it so that he is no longer just my father. He is now my father and your father. To my God and your God. You have become to him what I am. His son Yes, I'm perfect. You're not. When he looks at you, he sees me because of what I did. 2 Corinthians 6.18 says, And I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Galatians 3.26, For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's faith. Galatians 4.5 five that he might redeem those under the law so that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And I came to a realization at around the age of 34. It's not that I didn't know the love of God. It's not that I wasn't mesmerized by his glory, and, but just he, the penny dropped on another level. And this is what I realized. That these sons of mine, They can make me angry, they can can do wrong, but never will they not be my sons. They are in my house, and I realized somewhere around the age of 34 that what Jesus did on the cross, I cannot unearn salvation. The only way they can stop being my sons, I guess, is if they say, dad, you are no longer my dad, I'm out of here. You have the security of being saved in the household of God, a child of God in his house. And when you understand that it's okay if you bump around a little bit, it's okay if you kind of are a bit of a bull in the china shop and you mess some stuff up in his house and you kind of make some mistakes because you're feeling like, have I, have I upset him? Is he still going to allow me to be in this place? Am I still, when I die, am I actually going to be able to go to heaven? I don't know. I trusted him, but I also kind of did this, this, and this, and I didn't do it quite right. And, and he says, if you have placed your faith, you have become my son. These two will always be my sons. If you place your faith in Jesus, you're always, forever, going to be his son. Sharon, I know you're a woman, but you're a son. And you're a son. And you're a son. We're sons. <sighs> just as, we, as I was praying yesterday over this moment, I just kind of felt like like a shaking off. A shaking off of the need to do something. The need to be something. The need to just try to get it right. And I feel like the Lord is wanting to displace that that sense of I've got to I, I need to get this job, or I need to have this income, or I need to have this relationship, or I need, or I need to have this right prayer life, or I need to have all of this stuff that we need. We need, we're supposed to do something. We're not measuring up. We don't have it yet. We're not there yet. And I feel like the Lord is just simply in this moment wanting to displace all of that in our heart with the simple yieldedness to Him. Come to me. All of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You carrying many yokes in your thought and in your heart, take my yoke. I've got a yoke. Take that yoke off and put here, take this one. Take my yoke upon me, upon you, and learn from me, for I am meek and gentle in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Can we just right now do that? I feel like there's a shaking off. If that applies to you, I'm just going to be bold and ask you to be bold. If, If you feel like there's something to shake off, there's no power in any kind of a ritual, but just to do an act of faith right now, of standing up, and just shake it off. Shake it off, whatever that looks like. And as you do that, just be mindful, I'm shaking off this sense of needing to perform, this need to have something or be something or do something, shake it off. Release it. Go ahead, shake it off, get it off. Get it off of you. (laughs) It's gone. You're you're disowning that. Just shake that thing off. You don't, you're not going to, it's a a slippery slope, that one. You'll never get there. You'll never earn. You'll never arrive at the destination. It's a never-ending ladder. Shake it off. God says, I've got another one for you. In fact, it's not a ladder at all. Jesus got on the ladder and came to you. <laughs> Why don't you welcome him? Just welcome him. He came to you. You don't need to try to run over to him and find him. He's, he came to you. Just welcome him. I give up, Jesus. I give up. I give up. I give up all my self-pursuit, all my self Effort, I give it all up. Jesus, I exchange, I give it to you. Go ahead and put your hand in his hand. If that dog, Kylo, would just simply trust. Put his paw in their paw, so to speak, in their hand. They want to do that dog well. Jesus simply wants to liberate you. That's all he wants. You can trust him. You finally found the one you can trust, absolutely. Just put your trust in him right now. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I'm praying. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you, Jesus, the intimacy that Jesus has, that you have Jesus with the Father, Holy Spirit, just blow like a wind through this place. Blow intimacy. Blow love. Refreshing intimacy relationship. Go ahead and remove those fig skins. Take them off. He sees you anyway. (laughs) Don't be afraid to just acknowledge you are utterly hopeless without Him. It's okay. He knows. It's okay. Holy Spirit. Let the trust that Jesus has in his Father establish that same trust in our hearts to Jesus.